Hey, I'm glad you're here. I don't know if you remember episode 43. I interviewed Adam from Podcasting Business School, and Adam has given me a lot of great tips and hints for this podcast. And one of the things he advised me is to not change anything until I had recorded at least 50 episodes. And so the last episode with Traver Boehm was actually the 50th. And I feel like I'm now in sort of this liminal space. And I'm going to explain to you how I got here. In February of 2020, I started the Deepening Place podcast. And my co-host was a man named Jai Turk. We were very optimistic about how our conversations would help identify people in a community that wanted to listen to each other and come together in love to make a positive difference. And the reason that I wanted to do that was because I had become friends with Jai and we were a lot different than each other. He was young, he's a man, he's black, and I'm older and I'm a woman and I'm white. And despite those differences, we had such a good rapport with each other. We became true friends. We had so much in common in terms of spirituality and our ideas about what would make a a positive difference in the world. The first episode of The Deepening Place is called A Walk in the Desert. I decided to go back and harvest some of the highlights from those earlier episodes because It's amazing to me how relevant those things are today. One of the reasons I wanted to start the Deepening Place podcast was because I was very concerned about the division in our society and about political correctness. And I think it all had kind of come to a head after Donald Trump was elected president. And it just seemed like everybody was so angry and bitter and against each other. I wanted to take my expertise as a therapist and my experience as someone who's really pursued a spiritual path to explain to people what I felt like the love of Christ was all about and how when I say meet me in the middle for a love revolution, how I mean that. And it's not just flowers and hearts and rainbows. Actual love is a really difficult thing to achieve. But it is the way forward. I I do believe that. One thing that struck me listening back to this episode is I made a comment that, you know, sometimes we welcome a walk in the desert, or it seems like a welcome invitation to have a walk in the desert, and we get the opportunity to knock off some barnacles. And I had to almost laugh at that because in February of 2020, I had no idea what was right in front of my face. I had no idea the storm that was about to descend on us. Within a month or two, obviously, we shut down for COVID in March. There was a presidential election that got extremely nasty. There were the race riots, the George Floyd incident, Ahmaud Aubrey. It's like somebody threw gasoline on a fire. And so what was already burning just became explosive and so much worse. You know, we're in a really ugly place right now. And for that reason, I really have the desire to start sharing some of the things that I know to be true from the viewpoint of a therapist, um, from my role as a mother, that sort of sacrificial love that is required to be a mother. How this plays into mission manhood 
and my audience that is predominantly male is you have a really powerful role in helping us to overcome this darkness and division. I would like to share with you some of the things that I believe personally are important, some of the conclusions I've drawn, some of the wisdom I've gained over the years, and also how I've helped my clients. And so in addition to the interviews, which I intend to keep doing with just really excellent men and women, but my North Star and my guiding light is to help raise people up who are willing, who are on the same page, who really want to make a difference in the world. Since 2020, I think about all the relationships I have lost and some of the institutions I have lost trust in. And it's really sobering to think about. And I know that it's very important for us to come together in community and join together and be the change that we want to see. This conversation with Jai that follows is from our first episode called A Walk in the Desert. If you're interested in hearing the entire conversation, you can look up the Deepening Place podcast and go to episode one. For this episode, I've just included the highlights from that conversation, some of the things that I felt like were important and that I might want to expand on in the future. I hope you enjoy. Thank you so much for joining. This is Angela Abide. I'm here with Jai Turk. Hey, how's it going, everyone? Jai's not feeling well today. He has a bit of a cold, so his voice might sound funny. One of my main goals is to be able to have conscious conversation about topics that people lose their minds over and are so polarized. Our dualistic mind gets into play and we have to decide something's right or wrong. And I think that's really been detrimental to our sense of community, not just on a personal level, but even go out into your home and then even our country right now is so divided. Part of that reason is because we can't sit down and just have a conversation. We're stuck in our mind and our ego that makes us decide if something's right or wrong. So that prevents us from actually hearing and seeing another person. And what is really concerning to me, when we decide someone is wrong, then it's easy for us to X them out and strip them of their humanity. And then we're capable of all kinds of darkness. And I really see that on both sides of the political spectrum right now. And depending on what side of the political spectrum you relate to, you think that's only possible for the other side. When people are ready to let go of their attachment to their belief, it necessitates a walk in the desert. And I think part of the reason for this podcast is to establish a home in the desert, a place where you can get a glass of water and feel refreshed and have some of those conversations that lead beyond just knowledge to wisdom. Yeah, yeah. The walk in the desert you speak of. I don't think, and actually I don't think, in my experience, not many people are aware of what that means or what that even is. Some people seem to take it very literally, like they, they're saving up for a big retreat or they go to the jungle or something like that. And that sounds great and it probably works, but it's not really accessible or really feasible. And sometimes you have to go in and out of that desert over and over. People can take that journey, that trip to the desert 
more or less from the comfort of their home or from wherever they are. It's really just about accessing your internal, which speaks to the point you were talking about when you said people can only recognize making that change in the other. You're on the other side and you need to make the change and see what I see. I think accessing that, taking that trip to the desert, let's does help you do that for yourself. It sure would be nice to connect with others who are on the same journey and build a community and strategize and figure out how we can be effective and help. Being a seeker, looking for your group, searching for a tribe, feeling lonely and alone in this dualistic world, if you feel like you can see both sides still, or if you would like to be able to see. I think there's so many people who are stuck, but they're looking around. Am I in the twilight zone? It seems like the whole world is going crazy. And so I really would hope to throw a lifeline to those people as well and say, no, it's not you. It is the world. And I think we've talked about the matrix before, and I think that would definitely be a great episode. It's just talking about your matrix moment. What was it for you? My matrix moment? Like when Neo first woke up in the matrix, man was clueless, couldn't defend himself. That's really what it felt like working back. Yeah. Yeah. When it came time to graduate college, I decided to go into teaching. And I did that because all my volunteer hours in high school were educating young kids on daycares, babysitting, helping my mom with her preschool at home. So I decided to teach music in Baton Rouge for a year. And then I moved out here to Texas in 2013, to Austin. And I became a high school percussion director here. I did that because it was time for me to really take the next stage in life, take the next step. I was done in that first phase of waking up in the matrix. I was ready to tap into my own power. And I knew to do that, I couldn't do it in Louisiana. Literally, they didn't have salary positions in what I was doing at the time. And I wanted that level of stability for myself. So I did that. I came out here and once again, this is my first time having a full-time job, a whole bunch of first news aid. And uh, that job is a story in and of itself. What I learned about that, or what I learned about myself in this first job I had here, was that I'm called to answer for justice and well-being in this world. You have a call for justice, a call for well-being and justice in the world. Yes. There was a lot of corruption I saw at that job, and not just about that school district, but about corruption within the American systems. And for that matter, probably human-centered systems. There's a lot of aspects of the system that don't encourage justice or well-being. Um, and I learned that I, in every job or every role, any space I was in, I kept seeing the problems that led to those. I kept seeing the causes of those problems pop up and I just couldn't ignore them. So I left teaching in 2016. I took a break. I drove for ride share and I tried some different spiritual practices and learned it was time to go back to graduate school and learn how to meld that purpose I had, answering justice and well-being for the world and put that into a real context, something I can achieve in the practical landscape. So I landed at St. Edwards, received my master's in the science of leadership and change. And it didn't take me too long in that program to really figure it out. It was a snowball of positive change, which I call evolution. I really evolved while I was in the program. And then I finally had my you could almost call it a death moment. I had been driving ride share for two years. I was in college. I was in graduate school, but I was making pretty decent money. And one day someone rear-ended me, totaled my car. I don't get shook very easily. It wasn't my first time being in a car accident, but that was shook me. And the message came up really the next day, like this time. 
So when you say the message came up, is that just a feeling you had in your heart? Did you see it in a neon sign in your dream? What do you mean by that? For me, whatever guides me spiritually will put a message into my head and it's not my own voice. It's really no voice, but words will... Um, like an impression or something? It's not an audible sound. It's just think of white letters running through your skull. Think of it running through like your forehead. And that's really how I experienced it was go ahead and do what you think you're here to do. Did you, were you going back to the call for well-being and justice? Did you know that's what it was about or what did you think it meant? I did. I thought it meant you've learned enough skills in school. You've made a community. You realize your purpose. It's time to start walking that way. And so that did mean to figure out how I can bring justice and well-being to the world right now, starting right now with some small steps. I decided to go back into education in a different front. I had the paperwork I needed. So I got a leadership position at an after-school site for the YMCA. And at the same time, I got into something called comprehensive tutoring, which borders on a psychological practice of sort or a counseling practice really for families and, and for the students in those families. And I was doing both of those things simultaneously. And after just a few months of doing the tutoring and realizing I really knew how to lead a team, I decided it's time to do that on a larger scale. And I opened up a nonprofit and fast forward to now, I do lead some tutors. We are working on programming to educate families as I've been personally doing in that other practice. And so from that moment, it was, it has been the snowball effect of I'm bringing systems for justice and peace to the world since then. And it's been, it's not a roller coaster because a roller coaster is safe. You're probably not going to fall off. So I don't like that analogy too much. It's been a true adventure. It's been a true adventure where there's some real pain points, some real loss and some real gains as well. Like a continual walk in the desert where you occasionally hit an oasis. That's a great way to, Yes. Yes. So far, the table was a really turn in 2020. And it's, I'm able to live in the oasis and recognize when I need to take a trip to the desert more often. Sometimes I'll wander because sometimes yeah. I just end up there because I made a minor mistake or something. But I really am able to live in the oasis because you are walking a path in this life. And if you're really conscious about where you're going and you allow life to, as I've allowed my life to lead me down where I want to go and make sure that's for my purpose, I get less concerned about when I'm in the desert. And for me, that's a higher level of being in the oasis. Just your own. I can treat myself like a temple. Yeah, that's good. I think sometimes the desert almost is like a welcome invitation. It feels good to take a couple of laps to recenter and knock off some of the barnacles or get centered again. That's a great way to say that because I agree. And it reminds me of martial arts or boxing or anything where you, anything where you challenge yourself. But those, it reminds me of those because in boxing, say, for example, when I'm sparring, as soon as it gets really hot and you get really tired, that's when you're supposed to start going at a hundred percent. The coach always says, get ready for the heat. You live in the heat. You're ready for the heat. You live in the heat. So I welcome it. And it's changed my entire paradigm for working out and having control of my body is what it really translates to out of boxing. And I think this desert metaphor, it has been a way for me to do that for my spirit and for my soul. I welcome the challenges. Like I'm very thankful for when I get faced with a challenge because I honestly believe that if you're still here and the challenge presents itself, there's a way to solve it or there's at least a way to manage it and use it for your own growth. And by growth, I'm referring back to that path, walking further along in your past. That's really good stuff. I try to help people see clearly 
learn to love themselves and to manage their mind and emotions. And a couple of things you said, if you were my client, I would give you a therapy gold star because I'm not sure if you're familiar with the four agreements. I don't think so. The four agreements are by Don Miguel Ruiz. Be impeccable with your word. Don't take anything personally. Don't make any assumptions and do your best. And so when you're doing the best you can in your life and you're driving that car and you get into a wreck and it shakes you up, if you got stuck taking that personally, like woe is me, you wouldn't have had space for the revelation of it's time. And just allowing things to be as they are in your life opens the door for new possibilities. Sometimes we label things as good and bad. And usually it's, I don't know. I don't know if this is good or bad. I'm going to let it be what it is. I'm just going to keep walking. That was a great example of that. You didn't argue with it. You didn't make an assumption about it. You just let it be, be what it is. And the other thing that you pointed out, this is something I really hope to get across, is that we have to learn to manage our mind and emotions so that we can go to that deeper place. And the reason that we do that is so that we can understand what our word is, what our purpose is, what our vision is. And for you, you got your vision, the call for well-being and justice. But then you have to back up and you're so far away from it. Either there's like this swamp between you and the vision and you have to walk it out. And you did. And it involved a lot of death, to your point, a lot of little deaths. And I think that's what people don't realize is that the road to enlightenment, the road to peace, the road to that peace that passes understanding and joy and speakable is a descent. It's not an ascent. And that's where people get messed up. You have to be willing to give everything so that you can access that word that we all have. And so that's, that was a really beautiful example of that. So thank you for sharing. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you for the gold star. <laughs> you are. <laughs> Appreciate that. Another thing that we're locked into in our country is everybody's so careful about what they say that we're not able to say what we need to say. And just an example of that, when you had that realization that things are corrupt, you have to have the freedom to say that without fear. And that's how you let people see what your purpose is and your mission is. And that's really how we change the world. So get into that point where you can die to the opinions of others and being afraid what people are going to think. But you are true to yourself and true to your word. So that's a great goal for everybody, I think. I think it would make the world a different place or even better be a totally different place if the majority of people pursued that, pursued a place of not just not having fear, because unfortunately I interact with some people who do speak from the heart and speak fearlessly and they're talking a bunch of nonsense, a bunch of nonsense. So speak, I'm not sure what that is yet, to be honest. I'm not sure. And I think that's something for me to explore more as well in life. But I do agree with your point that if you can take in other truths as well, not only put out truth, but accept someone else's truth, then I believe we're really going somewhere. Yeah. That point you just made about, I'm not really sure what's going on there. One of my, I consider him to be my spiritual father, Richard Rohr, has the Center for Action and Contemplation. And he talks a lot about if you don't transform your pain, you're destined to transmit it. And so a lot of people wake up and see, but they don't do their desert work. 
you end up, instead of transforming that descent, the death, and getting to the point where you can get that nugget, that gold, your purpose, your word, and then rise up and present that to the world, a lot of people just go right on to action without the contemplation. And because of that, they're just continuing the cycle of hurt and in some cases abuse. So it's really important to have your desert moment to do the deepening work so that you can be useful. Beautiful. <laughs> if you don't, what was the phrase again for Richard Ward? If you don't transform your pain, you're destined to transmit it. And so all of our good intentions without that deepening work are going to fall short because it's just still ego-based and it's not coming from the deeper place, that deeper consciousness. And that hits home. That's great. Richard yeah. Rohr and his home. Yeah. Okay. It's the Center for Action and Contemplation. So you can find them online. But yeah, I've really grown a lot despite sitting under him and receiving that day daily. Yeah, okay. Jai, I really appreciate the time and I'm glad you powered through and you joined us today, even though you don't feel good. <laughs> You're very welcome.